This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Welcome everybody, welcome all our Torah Anytime viewers. Tonight's class is sponsored Leiluni Shmat to Efrat Bat Shamai and Adera Bat Azarai, Azaria. The, so I have to tell you a little bit of the background on this class. This particular class, if somebody could please, we could, could we add more cheers like somewhere on the side? Thank you. Um, Oh, which is remind me, everybody's invited uh, to our Thursday night's woman-only class at BJX at 1601 Avenue P on 1601 Quentin Road. Please do not go to 1601 Avenue P. That is a shul that I used to speak at uh, called All Moshe. So don't go over there because I'm not speaking there at Thursday nights. Uh, but thank you very much. 1601 Quentin Road on Thursday at 8 p.m. Um, everybody is uh, welcome. Okay. So, Women only, correct, thank you. So, the, um, the idea behind this class, so this class we're going to be dealing with Kirov, with the, the power and the obligation. We're going to be speaking about a lot of ideas in Kirov. Now, why, the truth is, I had absolutely no intention about speaking about this class today. In fact, um, the, the topic that I sent out originally was supposed to be on the oral law, which will be next week. But the, that, that's what I was planning in it. But this past week, I had to speak at a uh, yurtzite, uh, a, a yurtzite meal, which is like a, a, you know, an annual death of somebody who passed away. They go and they commemorate you know, his memory. They have a meal. They have people speak about law uh, in, his, in, uh, in her memory. It was a woman. So I, I started speaking about, about some ideas, which I would like to speak about tonight also. And then it got me thinking, you know what? We should speak about this topic you know, uh, tonight and not wait. Now, if you realize that the series that we've been going for the past couple of weeks or couple of months, if you're counting, is we're dealing with proving that there is a God, proving also that God is, uh, you know, that not only there is a God, but God is actively running the world. Not only is God actively running the world, there must be a religion. Not only is there a religion, but... The true, and we, we prove by you know negating all the other religions and cults that Judaism is the correct religion and the only right one um, to be in. Then we went and we proved the validity of the Torah. Now this in itself is enough for people to go and use for Kirov, and that's why we're speaking about uh, you know about it uh, you know today because uh, the ultimate point is not only for the to 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 convince people that Judaism is correct, but rather it is also to be able to go, and now each one of you will be able to have the power, the tools, to go and convince other people that what Judaism is and the, and the correct path of the Torah. So, I spoke, uh, you, know, you know, at this, at this uh, Yurtzeit uh, Suda. What is the English translation for that? Is there an English translation for that? No. Yurtzeit? Commemorative view. Dead, dead day? I don't know. Commemoration of death. That doesn't sound so good. <laughs> Today we have come here to celebrate the passing. What? Memorial, annual memorial, I guess. Okay, so when I was thinking about this, you know, like when you think about people that pass away, it's very, very unfortunate um, that we get, we get uh, sort of locked into this society, the Western society, which states that, you know, that there's a lot of things that they say, for example, um, uh, the, the rest in peace. Um, what else do they say? Uh, oh, he's now with God. You know, if you're Christian, you say he's now with somebody else, which I really hope he's not, because if he is, it's, it's not the best place. Um, but when, yeah. Well, they say different, different things. But the idea, when you start thinking about rest in peace, what does that mean, rest in peace? Is this an internal sleep? 
like, don't bother the baby. It's sleeping right now. <laughs> like, what is the recipe? So now, is that really what they think? That the people, that, you know, they go on there and, you know, and they're just resting in peace? I guarantee you there's no resting. In the next world, there's no, like, nap time. There's no, like, you know, like, okay, you know, you put a nine to five, you know, in the heavens, you know, you get, you know, the right angels, you know, you get, you know, you get the, you know, the right connections. And then, you know, you can go on vacation every once in a while. It's a completely different world. And in fact, that world is more real than our world. So the idea of rest in peace is an extremely distorted idea, an idea that, that unfortunately even religious Jews tend to uh, misunderstand. When we think about uh, you know, people that, that pass away, we think about it as game over. You know, they finish their, their, you know, their topka, their mission in life, and this is where, you know, this is where they are right now. But in essence, it's really not like that. In Rosh Hashanah, on the high holidays, it says that God opens the book of judgment. Who does He open the book of judgment? For the living and the dead. Now, I understand, we spoke about this idea before. I understand that we have to go and we have to judge the people that are alive. Why? Every year you get judged on that year. What did you do that year? Right? So it's coming, it's actually coming up. Judgment Day is coming up. It's coming up, and we're gonna, you're gonna get judged. And what are you gonna get judged at? How was your year? Were you good this year? Now, it's not a Santa's good list and bad list. It's a, it's a situation, did you do what you're supposed to do, the obligations that you were supposed to do? The, and when you're, this is good, this is, you know, even I am going to need to, uh, you know, okay, fine. So, all right. You know, for people that are on the virtual world, I'm sorry, you have to be in class in order to get this joke. Um, unless we've tilted the camera and uh, we're going to see. <laughs> is that it? All right. So, um, the, is, there no, is there no drinks in the fridge? There's nothing? There's nothing in the fridge? Oh, it's bang. Okay. So, uh, if you open it for me, I'll just do it really quickly. If this way we don't have to stop on it because I'm not planning on you know, pausing it. Okay, so the, the idea is over here. That when you have a dead person, why is this dead person? It says the books of judgment is open for the dead and for the alive. We know for the alive you get judged. Why are the dead getting judged again? Let's say somebody's dead already for 500 years. Why are they getting judged again in Rosh Hashanah? And the answer is because it depends what they left on this world. If they left a... Child. Let's start it with a child. Someone left a child, and that child started becoming, you know, religious. Started doing the right thing, going to Torah, mitzvot, to be doing all the good things. Who is going to get reward for that? The child, the person itself, of course. But it's also going to go on the parent. Or, or if um, if you like pray for, for let's say, a person to get to get married or have like a child, then like you, you also get their. If you, if you, the, rule, the idea is very simple. What you're saying is correct. When, when you have any association with a positive deed, you get part of that, a part of that reward. However, we do have to mention that in the same way it goes for the other way. If you have any association with the negative side, if you bring someone down, if you bring somebody and they fall, you also have an association with that. So to understand this concept, you know, just a little bit more clearly, when a child does a good deed, the child gets reward for it, and the parent as well gets reward for it. If a grandchild does a good deed, the parent does it, gets reward for it, and the grandparent gets a reward for it. Again, we're going to get to this in a little bit, you know, uh, you know later on in the, in the class with Abhishek, we'll get into the, a little bit more detailed on this. But the idea is very simple. This is just children. What about if you go and you convince somebody, and you get somebody who is, let's say, not religious, or not so religious, or religious, 
but just pretending to be religious. Which, unfortunately, it's a very big problem nowadays. People just go through the, 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 the motions. They go through the motions, but inside, what do they do? they really believe? Do they really know? They're just doing it. They're, you know, they're saying what they're saying. They need what they, they're doing what they need to do, but they don't actually feel it. Even if you go and you convince somebody like that, you could change the entire history that you're going to be dealing with in the next world. Now, the way it works is like this. Let's start with a very simple example. Somebody's not religious. A very simple idea, bring him to a class. You bring him to, it doesn't have to be this class, it could be any Torah class. You bring him to a Torah class, they start getting hooked on Torah. Why? Because everybody's going to get hooked on Torah. The second that you start listening to Torah, you're going to get hooked on Torah. Okay, granted, there are some people that speak like this, and they make you want to fall asleep, because it sounds like a computer is talking to you. And then you want to do and hang yourself and say, this is not for me. But in general, any Torah class that you bring a person to, there is, you know, a person gets attached to it. It's awesome. It's amazing. They enjoy it. They love it. They want to come here more. You bring someone to a Torah class. Let's say this person is completely not religious. You bring them to a Torah class. All of a sudden, they start getting more religious. And guess what? Over a period of time, they decide to become 100% religious. Whose reward is that? That goes in yours. Who said mine? Okay, everybody. Whoever said mine, whoever said mine, you, I don't know who it was, but whoever said it, you know you have the power to do Kirov. <laughs> the rest of no one else, uh, you know, no one else said it. But it's true, it's your reward. You, which, which you think about it, you know, when you want to invest something, you got to do it smart. You want to invest money, you got to do it smart. So imagine you go and you invest money, that's great, that's, you know, you're going to make some, some money, that's awesome. But what does an ultimate investor want to do? He wants to make money, or she wants to make money, equal opportunity. She wants to make a lot of money. What she, but she, what, what is the smart way to do it? To invest it, that you could sit on your golf course, you could go and get your nails done, right? Um, and you could do what you want to do, and the money makes money for you. You don't even have to bother with it anymore. It's just making money for you. There is a way to do that in the spiritual sense. When you get somebody religious, when you get, and it doesn't have to be from like zero to hundred, just a little bit more. Just you change something else about them. They become a little bit more observant. That, that second already, all of a sudden, everything else that they do moving forward because of your action, you get reward for it. Isn't that crazy? Do you stop for a second and think what that is worth? What the ability that you have, each and every one of you have this ability in your, you know, in your, in your palms. And now it's even more than that. 500 years go by. You're already in the next world in Gan Eden in the highest place. There's a lot of Shem for every one of us. You're in the highest place, right? You're in Gan Eden over there. Every single time that this person now has not a grandchild, a great-grandchild, they, have, they can have a thousand, a thousand descendants by this point in time. And now if they're all religious because of you, you get all reward for that because you went and you introduced them and you convinced them and you guided them to the right path. That is something that's so, the, the residual income that you could get on this is so crazy that you cannot even understand it. What if like, you try, but like, the person is like very, very bitter against like God? Let's speak about that at the end. Remind me at the end. Like from yeah. and, like, doesn't want to like hear anything and just gets very mad. Remind me at the end to, to deal with that. It's an excellent question. Uh, remind me at the end, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll deal with that. Okay, so now, the, you know, and this is the idea when you think about it. When people go and send their children to, to a, a shiva. Now granted, it costs money. It's not so cheap, yeshivot. But when you go and you send your children to yeshivot, all of a sudden, everything that now the child is doing right now, it's coming in your reward. What happens if the other way? You're going and you send your, children, your child to public school. I had a, I had a, a student of mine um, that told me once, he's like, he's like, no, he's like, I'm going to be religious, I'm going to keep Shabbat, I'm going to do Nida, I'm going to do all those things, but I'm going to send my child to public school. And the second I, that, you know, I heard that, you know, like the blood pressure, ding, 
you know, the bubble exploded. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, have I taught you nothing all this time? Like, what are you talking about? He's like, come on, it's education. You should vote the education, are ridiculous. And I'm like, I speak to people that have been to public school, and I speak to people that have been in yeshivot. And granted, many yeshivot may not teach the Harvard level of English studies. May, I'm not saying all of them don't, some of them, you know, get very close. But, are you really comparing an education to a yeshivat, a public school? I'm not even talking about Judaism. I'm talking about secular studies. You know, some, I, you know, I had a student of mine that was in public school. I was actually teaching him while he was in public school. Some days he was only learning two hours a day in school. And I'm like, what are you doing the rest of the time? And he was like, well, Call of Duty. Um, I don't know, that's the only video game I remember. And a few out of the video games, there's something 2K basketball video or something. I don't know. So, so two hours a day in public school. Uh, it's not his fault, it's his parents' fault. But let's not get into, uh, you, know, you know, but the truth is it is his fault because I offered him to get into yeshiva. And I offered him that he wouldn't have to pay for anything. And I offered him everything and he still de- you know, declined on it. Um, but in any six hours a day, right? You're talking about a full schedule public school, you know, schooler. You know, full schedule learning six hours a day. I think they still get out at two or three. Uh-huh. Three, three, which is, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, this is why we have, whatever. Okay, let's not get into this. Um, the, you know, the, the idea, when you think about it, is the education, you cannot even compare. You cannot even compare, and, and, I, and I, I think I've said this before, I don't know if I said it on camera or off camera, I have people, and I know people personally, that have been through the yeshiva system, and guess what, they're in Harvard, they're in Yale, and they want to become very successful doctors and lawyers. And, get, and you know what's something very interesting? The, success, the, the, the Jewish people that go through the yeshiva system end up being a lot more successful per capita than you have the, the, the kids in public school. That's because there's not a lot of Jews. No, I said per capita. That's why I said per capita. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why are they smart? Are they? Are they any? Is their genes any different? No, because they they assert themselves. They go, not per capita. Asians are Asians are smart. Let's get racist, shall we? Huh? All right, no, okay. What? I know, I know. It's true, yeah. Right? The, 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 you know, what do the Asians do, right? You know, after they come home from school, you'll play piano for twenty hours a day, and you'll get a scholarship in Harvard, and you'll be a successful doctor. Right? This is right after they got back from the nurse, you know, from pregnancy, you know, like the firstborn. What? Who? There are many ethnicities that you could say they push them. Indians also. Indians are also very smart. But, again, I said per capita. So, again, when you look at the numbers, it's, I don't have to even uh, go on. There are certain people, you know, they do certain things. Imagine the reward you get. You know, I had someone who told me once, he's like, they're having a get-together. You know, they went and buying a lot of stuff. I'm like, oh, what are you, what are you getting for? What are you? He's like, oh, I'm having a movie showing in, in my house. I'm like, oh, that's so, that's so amazing. That's so, that's so beautiful, you know, like, what movie? And I'm like, I don't care. Uh, you know, I'm like, what do you mean you're having? There are people that go and they gather together, you know, 
Like the Hanukkah bite is like, come all, you're going to see my entertainment system, right? We got Bose sound system. You actually feel like you're in the tornado as it's happening. And Dorothy is, you know, you know, you know, you're like in the situation, uh, you know, and then you have other people that go and they host a Torah class in the house. I've, I've been invited to many houses to go and host a you know, Torah class. And you have two, two houses. One hosts a Torah class and one hosts a, uh, a movie showing. I don't know, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, I, uh, a Super Bowl. Oh my gosh. Oh my super. Don't even get me started on a Super Bowl. You know, many, many, many years ago, many, many years ago, I was invited to a Super Bowl party. Many, like this is, you're talking about a long time ago. And it's right, my sins that, that you know. And I went to I went to the Super Bowl party. I again I never followed sports. I loved playing sports. I loved playing sports, but I hated following. I'm like, why am I watching somebody else have fun? Like, and again, they're not having fun because they're very stressed and they need to win. But I'm like, so I decided to go there. The enthusiasm that I saw the people had. I mean, it was all kosher. You know, it was you know catered by kosher delight or something. That's how long ago we're talking about, right? Allah uh, right? Kosher delight. Anybody know? Okay. So um, they all, you know, they go. They're so enthusiastic about the Super Bowl, and I'm like, I'm like, who are we, you know, uh, rooting for? I'm like, you know, the red team, the yellow team. I, you know, like, I, I didn't really even even speak to me. So and they, the enthusiasm that they had, and they go and they and they spent a lot of money. Because you got to get that 75 foot long, foot long, I don't know, sub, whatever. You got to get a lot of food, sub, and then you got to have wings, you know, men food, right? And beer. And you got to get like really stuff that uh, you should never eat on a date type of a situation, right? Um, and you go and you go and you sit over there and, and they're going over there. They're so enthusiastic about it. And then you go to somewhere, to a different house that has a shiotua. Now, think about it from a perspective of your child. Your child is going to see two scenarios. What do you think the child is going to gain more from? Can't bother daddy now, you know, the game is on. And I know people like that. You know, that, I know, why do I know? Because the wives tell, you know, tell me, I know, I can't bother my husband. And super, you know, the, the game's on, I don't know, the playoffs, whatever, you, the, the leading up to, can't bother them. I'm like, what a shame. I don't tell that to the woman, obviously, you know, like, but what a shame. This is what your husband is doing throughout the entire time. He's sitting in there, you know, and he's watching all this, you know, the, the, the sports game. The, the children know he can't bother daddy now, the game is on. Then you have another scenario. Where daddy went to a shiotua, or daddy is going and sitting with a, with a gemara, sitting with a chumash, sitting with any book for crying out loud, right? Just anything that you could just read. You know, you don't bother about daddy now, he's learning. What is the difference of a child going to be growing up when they see one daddy is always watching the Super Bowl? Oh, whatever, that's only once a year. Always watching a game, always watching, you know, something else. Or you have a father that's sitting there and it's learning tua. The difference that you have. And guess what? After 120... What is a child that sees his father sitting and watching the Super Bowl, sitting and watching video, you know, movies and TV shows all day? What is he going to do when he go, go, gets older? He'll do exactly the same thing. He's going to have the same preference of beer. Generally speaking, they're going to do the same thing. Generally speaking, they're going to do the same thing. Now you have another child who sees his father learning to walk. What is he going to do when he gets older? Generally the same thing. You see a, a daughter that sees a mother dressing modestly. What is she going to do? You have to understand, children copy, they mimic their, their parents, even the girls, even more so. The girls, it's the cutest thing. When my daughter started holding a baby, you know, on her, you know, thing, which is well, not a real one. I mean, right? It's a, it was a doll, all right. And she goes and she changes a diaper and she does this. Girls are very observant. Very, it's it's scary. It is scary. Like you know, my sons, you know, Bo Hashem, you know, I, I love them. They're amazing. But you could do something for them. They're like, they don't care. They're, you know, they're jumping, running, doing somersaults. They're doing all the, the stuff that they're doing. A girl, you know, my, my, my daughter sits here and watches. You know, just watches the whole situation. 
girls are very observant. Now, if you're raising your child, if you're dressing modestly, the girl, again, general statement, not all true, is going to dress a certain way. There is, you know, there are certain ways. There's, uh, there's something called chinuch, the the upbringing of your of your child. If you, the, the best way to bring upbring your child is to be that what you want your daughter to be. Be that what you want your son to be. Be the best role model. You start explaining to them, read all your Harvard books and say, hey, listen, you know, like, uh, you know, it's good to express yourself and it's good to say, you, know, you could speak about from today and tomorrow all the good childhood techniques. The best one is leading by example. When you lead by example, that's how your child is going to turn out. Now think about it. This is not a, just like, you know, your child, this is going to pay you back or kick you for eternity. If you go and you decide to live a certain way, that's the way that your child is going to live. That's the way that you're going to get judged every single year after you die. Every, you have to understand that on your death, you get judged. On your death day, on your yurt side, you get judged. And what do you get judged for? On Rosh Hashanah, you get judged for. What are you, what are you getting judged for? You're getting judged for everything that you left behind. If you left behind the legacy, if you left behind a powerful powerhouse of going through the Torah Mitzvot and Asim Tovim, then every year you're going to go higher and higher in a level in, in Gan Eden, in heaven. If you don't, God forbid, you're going to go in a lower and lower level every single year. Now when we think about this, and when I speak to, I speak to let's say suicidal kids, or suicidal adults for, for that, I tell them one idea, one very important idea, and they don't usually think about this. And they tell me how they want to end it, they want to go through all these things, and I tell them what, I said, uh, um, what about your daughter? If it's a girl, a son, if it's a boy, I said, what about your son? I said, what about your daughter? They're like, what, what are you talking about? He says, you know, if you end your life, your daughter is never coming into this world. Your son is never coming into this world. They're waiting. You need to be a parent for a certain child, or for certain children. And if you're ending your life, you're not just ending your life. Who do you think you are to stop your generation to come? Who do you think that you are that you're able to go and stop the lineage going on for, for generations to come? Do we even understand that? Everything that we do, people tell me, oh, it's my life, I want to do what I want. Your life? Are you kidding me? Your life? What about your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren? You know, there are some people that, uh, I don't know, 50 years ago, the grandparents decided they don't want to be religious anymore. Think that affected them only? No. The grandchildren, the children, and the great-grandchildren now are marrying non-Jews. And guess who is it to thank for? Yeah, for those people that didn't want to come. And again, you know, when we're dealing with Russians and back to the Soviet Union, and there's a lot, of, there's a lot to speak about that. It's not really their fault. I'm not, I'm not getting into that. But when you have a choice that you need to make, that's not only on you. That is all on your children, your grandchildren, your great, who you're going to marry. Now, I know I'm going to open up a can of worms over here now because you know, people as it is are so undecisive, not sure who they're going to marry. But you realize who you're going to marry is also going to, going to, going to matter for eternity. For, for your children, your grandchildren. You're going to marry a businessman, you're going to marry a, somebody who's learning in Kolo. You can have both. That's it, you can have both. But I'm saying there's some people, you know, they, they send me like the, the Shidduch resumes and I try to make matches, you know, from people that I speak to in the class and there, I try to make matches as much as I can. And, um, you know, but there's some people that say, like, no, 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 I want a working guy. What about someone who learns? Well, no, it doesn't really matter so much. <laughs> I'm like... I'm like, maybe go find somebody else to find Yoshi Doku. You know, like, uh, you know, like, what do you mean it doesn't matter so much? What do you want to send your kids? How do you want, people don't think about it. What do the people think about? How many vacations I want to go on? You know, what type of house I want to, you know, what type of family do I want to work? Maybe I need to find, you know, you know, find somebody that I don't need to work. Like, this is what they think about. They think about for the next 70 years, for the next 100 years. But they don't think about for eternity. And this is what's something that's so sad that we're dealing with nowadays that people don't think about, you know, about eternity. The, you know, Nowadays, unfortunately, and this is, you know, even historically in the past 50, 100, even 200 years, we've been losing a lot of Jews. 
We really have with the reform movement, the conservative movement. Um, even without that, we've been losing a lot, a lot of Jews. And it's very, very unfortunate. But, like I said before, a smart businessman knows how to make money in a bad economy. A smart businessman knows that even though everyone's losing money, he's going to know how to make money. Now when we look at this, a lot of Jews are going, are going far off, but Baruch Hashem, we have so many that are coming on and Ken Yilbu may keep on getting growing and growing and growing. We're looking at, we have two options to deal with. There are organizations that are set up to take people away from Judaism. Every time I even think about them, I already, my, my, there, forget about that, I'm talking about Jewish organizations. Jewish organizations, uh, we, we don't want to say it online. Um, uh, there are, yeah, yeah, I'm telling you that the organizations, oh, you're missing Jews for, yeah, well, some of them are, some of them are not. These things get me so upset. They get me like, what are you doing? You want to mess up your life? and your children and your grandchildren for all eternity, do that on you. But why drag everybody else along with it? So we have, unfortunately, a tremendous amount of people falling off, but we have, Baruch Hashem, even if it's more, a tremendous amount of people coming back on. Now, the, the, you know, when you look at it, you look at it from two perspectives. There is something uh, you know, that's... You know, before we even continue, there is, um, there is a... Even before I even go further, social media, curse or blessing... Chris, anybody, anybody say a blessing. It's a blessing, but... Blessing, okay. It's not. It's, it's more bad than good. Oh, okay, that's very, okay, very good. So, I'm on a, a break from it. I feel like relaxed and... Bo Hashem. Mark my words. I like my life. Mark my words. What's going to happen in the future? You know how there's alcoholic anonymous, drug anonymous, there's going to be a social media addiction yeah. situation that's going on. Yeah, there's going to be one. I, Mark, you know, you want to start a good business? Start a social media, you know, anxiety, I don't know, self-esteem, you know, problems, whatever. So, the, you know, social media is such a curse. Such a curse, you know, like literally like, like the worst of the worst. 99.9% of the times, it's a curse. There is a, like a 0.01% that you could use it for good. And how do you use it for good? Well, that's not social media. That's uh, you know, that's the internet. Point zero one. That's where I'm going on. Point zero one. That's where I'm leaning towards. Right. Point point zero point. First of all, Torah anytime is not a social media, right? What is their logo? Their logo is the God's reason for the internet, right? What's God's reason for the internet? Spread it. And I, you know, I got it. All right, fine. Oh, yeah. I, I got to tell you this. We're not, I didn't even turn the page yet. Okay. So, um, you know. When you have, uh, you, you have, you have, we have nowadays, we have smartphones, we have tablets, we have computers. For crying out loud, there are smart watches. I don't know if they're still making smart glasses, right? Do they, do they still make smart glasses? They still make smart. They have smart glasses. I can't even, when I first heard about this, I'm like, it, you can, you have a screen inside your glass. You're able to like see things. You're able to do stuff with glass. You know, so well, technically, I mean, you're a zombie, anyways. When you're looking down here and you're looking up here, the there is so much that you could do. The internet, by the way, the internet blew up what, like 15, 20 years ago. Before that, before that, this smart. Yeah, everything is smart. Um, but the more smart things that you get, the dumber that you get. You should realize that. Everything is an equal balance. So if something, if you're, you, you know. If I would ask anybody over here to memorize a, uh, I don't know, a seven-digit number, yes. you would be able to memorize a seven-digit number? Okay, very good. Four numbers, you said. What happens if I give you a number right now? No, seven numbers. I know. I, I, so I said seven numbers. I said <laughs> specifically four, a phone number. They split it into three, three, and four. 
<laughs> Nowadays, when people have, people have a very hard time memorizing a phone number, because they don't need to. When you don't use your brain, you don't need to. There's, you know, when, when cal- you know, nowadays, you don't need to learn your times table. You know, because it's all on your phone or on your watch or on your glasses or whatever it is that you're, you know, you, you're, we are losing touch with our mental, you know, abilities or our mental capacity. The, when you look at it, you have the ability, there's something so fascinating. You have a smartphone. You have a phone, right? Which again, is not a good thing. It, you know, granted, you can do a lot of good things with it, but by all means, way, and form, if you have the ability not to have a smartphone, you should not have a smartphone. You should not. But you do. You have. To, you know the ability. There nowadays, you could go on your phone and you could look at the most disgusting, most perverted, most twisted thing that people in the history of the world never were able to see on, let alone on any screen. You're able to see that on your screen, on your in your in your privacy of your own home. At the same point in time, you're able to use this to gain eternity, learn Torah. You're able to sit here and learn Torah nonstop. There are some people that they, all they do is they, 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 you know, they're drivers. They have to drive all day. What do they do all day? They're sitting on Torah anytime. One class after another class after another class after another class. They're sitting out there and learning Torah. You have the ability. You have to. You should realize that It's an equal playing field. Everything is always an equal power. If you have the power and the ability to do something good with a certain item, you have the same power and the same ability to do something bad. Somebody that has a good verbal you know, ability to speak very well, they have the ability to go and bring people closer to Judaism, they have the ability to go and make a lot of money, they have the ability to bring people away. They have the ability to go and... and there are certain people that are very good writers. And what do they do? They go and they write blogs. I, I can never understand this. but It's like, what is this? Dear Diary. You know, today... I, I, whatever, I don't read blogs. So I don't know. But from my understanding of blogs, it's somebody's personal opinions. And everyone's like, well, let's you know, read what you have to say. Now, you have two ways to do it. There are people that get you know, tens of thousands of people visiting their blogs and reading what they're, you know, what's going on in their brains. And you have somebody that's bringing people away from Torah. Someone that's pushing people closer to Torah. You have the ability to do things today that we never had in the history of humanity. You realize, we have the ability today, uh, and, and I can tell you this personally, the, you, know, you go about uh, you know, 100 years ago. You know, we didn't have to go back that far. 50 years ago. Again, we don't even have to go that far. 30 years ago. Wait, how old? Uh, no. Yeah, about 40, 40, 50 years ago. If a rabbi wanted to say a speech, who heard the speech? Whoever was in that room at that point in time. Maybe you had some people jotting down notes. Maybe you had some people doing that. But that's as far as it went. Nowadays, you know how far a tor- We have a camera sitting over here, right in front of us. We have, uh, you know, the, you know, like... In Egypt. The, <laughs> Israel, the, uh, uh, a person that I, I listen to, he, um, he has over 7,000 people on his WhatsApp groups. And I'm like one of them, but like right, right. You, like, but that's nothing. So many. You don't even know what goes on behind the scenes. There's some I know rabbis that they in you know now even before I speak about that, Rabbi Akiva. How many students did he have? Twenty four thousand students. That's a lot of students. Imagine you are able to get twenty four thousand people in one room without a loudspeaker somehow. I don't know. And you're able to speak about them. That's a tremendous amount of for one class, right? For one class, there's a period over. Well, maybe I'll answer it afterwards. So. Who said it was 24,000 in one shot? It wasn't, it wasn't all... Uh, um, it's true. The, like on Shabbat and all that, like, there are certain rabbis that do have like, tons of people. Yeah, but they don't have 24,000. They have a lot of people nowadays is 100. You know, depending on the place. You get a really large place and a, you know, a big synagogue, so you get a few hundred. How many... When was the last time that you went to a speech that there was over 1,000 people there? Never. Nah. Never. So you have... But, but it's something very interesting. In the history of the world, in the history since the beginning of time... 
You know, you had, you had like somebody rabbi that had Rabbi Akiva, had so many students, 24,000 students. You know nowadays, I know rabbis, that they could put a class online and there's more than 24,000 people that listen to it? Yeah. Do you understand? Like, and what, what are we, you know, like, I, I could only speak about myself. You know, like, like, I'll put my class online. The amount of people that are in the room are so, is like irrelevant to the amount of people that it reaches on the online virtual world. It's crazy. Now, when you think about it, why did God do this right now? Why? A hundred years ago, you know what type of speakers we had? You know, 200 years ago, 500 years ago, can I, you know, we can't even compare the people, the high level that we had in, the, in, you know, in those days to the people that we have speaking now. And again, I'm speaking about myself, I can't speak about anybody else. But we know one thing, there's a, there's a, a general downstream of the generation. The rabbis that we had in the yesteryear is nothing compared to the rabbis that we have today. And the rabbis that we have today, Bokhashim, are amazing. And I you know nothing bad against them. But can you compare to the Chafetz Chaim? Can you get compared to the Vilna Gon, to the Magen Midubna? You, we, had, we had rabbis that were able to, the Arizal, you know? You had the, the greatest rabbis. Now here's an interesting question. Why is it that God is giving the ability for people nowadays, for rabbis nowadays, to reach more people than the entire history of the world? You think about that? And well, let's, let's get the questions at, you know, at the end. I'm saying to bring, to, to bring like Mashiach, because like uh, very good, very all good. Like so like low and very good. All, so this is where I'm going with. Like so when you when you excuse, right? Why there was excuse earlier? You know, yeah. But there's something very interesting when you think about it. And this is my own my own ideas. Let me let me share with you my own ideas. You look at through the history of the world. Majority through the history of the time, we always had people that were sinning. Unfortunately, we always had Jews that were going off the derech. But the majority of the Jews were always religious until roughly about two hundred years ago. Then we had a very very bulk with Reform, Conservative, and the you know in the Enlightenment period. We had you know the, the you know the revolution, especially you know if you know history, going back to um, the truth is it goes back to actually Napoleon. When you we had a lot of Jews that sort of you know went veered a little bit a little off, and they kept on going more and more and more and more off. Unfortunately. And nowadays we have something very interesting. That you have many Jews that are coming more and more and more on. Not only that, also you also have, you have converts. You have a real, like, I'm, you know, I, I deal with a handful of converts. I know rabbis that deal with ten times more converts than I deal with. Converts that are not even from, forget about your same zip code. They're not even in the same country. They're in a different country. And that's why, they, how are they getting into it? How are they finding Judaism? There are Jews that were stuck in the worst religions. You're talking about Jews that were stuck in Hinduism. Jews that were stuck in Christianity and Mormonism. You had Jews that were stuck everywhere and all of a sudden they're coming out. How? Where all of a sudden it's coming from? And you want to know something? It's, it's that big curse which also has a little blessing inside of it. And that's the internet. You have people that are able to go and listen to Torah classes through the other parts of the world. I'm telling you, I get emails from people that I didn't, from places that I didn't even think had of internet. And not only did I not think they have internet, I'm like, how do you even speak English? And not only do you speak English, how do you understand me? I speak so fast. You know, weird. How, how is this even working? You know, maybe the slowdown option, Torah anytime. Yeah. So you have something here, something very unbelievable. You have the Torah is spreading out through the, the entire world. And the question is, why? Why is it happening now and it's never happened before in the history of the world? And the answer is, like you said earlier, there is a certain time, there is a time frame for this world. After a certain period of time, game over. The world is done. It's finished. Finito. That's Spanish, right? Yeah. Check, right. Okay, we use Spanish. Okay, so you have the, 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 the world is coming to an end. When something is coming into an end, things have to speed up a little bit. 
Things have to speed up. You have, you know, all of a sudden, God is saying, okay, listen, I have a Jew in Africa, and I have a Jew in Switzerland, and I have a Jew in Czechoslovakia, I have a Jew in all these different types of places. They need to go, and they need to wake up. All of a sudden, you know, this comes up, this comes up, there's another Torah class comes up, and, th- and all of a sudden, the power of the internet is all of a sudden able to go and draw people in like it was never able to do before. Now, here is where the point where I'm going with this is. Is that... You know, the, the power of Kira, the power, and not only the power, the obligation that each and every one of us has on another Jew. By the way, it's an obligation. It's not like, hey, I want to be a good person today, so I'm going to invite somebody. No, you have an obligation. You know somebody who's not religious, you have an obligation to go and help them guide them to the right path. It's not a nice little bonus. It's an obligation. Right? Whether you go through there's a different, bunch of different verses that I could quote for you where you can have this obligation that, that stems from. But besides, when you think, besides thinking about those, those obligations, there is you know, somebody that is going to hear this class. The power of going, and you know what it is? What is it? You know, nowadays, you could go and you could send somebody a Torah class. You don't have to package you know, a CD into like an envelope and package and behave to listen to it. It's a simple forward or share or something like that on your, you know, your social media or whatever the other, you know, unfortunate places that people end up in. Um, you know, you have, very, it doesn't even cost you anything. Share, hey, why don't you listen to this? You realize what that is? You send somebody a Torah class. Forget about even bringing something there. You send somebody a Torah class. The guy listens to the class, all of a sudden he gets hooked on, and then you know who knows what comes up. You know how many people that ended up coming to my class, or even better yet, I was speaking to them one-to-one. How did they get to me? Because one person sent send the class to somebody else. One person sent it to them and they started getting hooked on. So one person sent the Torah class to somebody else and now this person decided he's going to listen to you know, all these classes, all the divinity series. Right? Where are we up to now? 18, 19. So listening to like 20 hours of learning Torah right now. Whose credit does that go according to? To the guy who sent it, to the girl who sent it. Do you realize the investment opportunity that you each have? It is crazy. Something that we never had before. You realize in the olden days you wanted to do Kirov. And when I say olden days, I don't know, 10 years ago olden days, right? What did you, you want? So you had a CD or you had a tape, a cassette, whatever it is. You had to go and you start handing them out. Here, here, why don't you listen to this? Why don't you listen to this? The, uh, you, had, you had that opportunity. You know, I don't know. You go 50 years ago, forget about it. You, you can't hand them anything. Please come to a class. Please come to that. You know, you, even, even more than, you know, you go from further back, there was nothing. Only recently there was, a, there was this revolution all of a sudden in this, in this technology. Now, you could do Kirov without even knowing anything about Judaism. You know, I know non-Jews that do more Kirov than 100 Jews combined. I know non-Jews that are not even in America. Right? Their primary language is not even English. But they do more Kirov than, than, than Jews. They're going over there. You know, these people, they have a special place for them in the next world. They really do. The people that they have, you know, I speak to, you know, you know non-Jews that, that, that email me. Like, you know, like, you know, all they want and they pray for and they donate money to what? To help God's children come closer to the Torah. You, you understand what we're dealing with over here? You have, I was speaking to, to a guy who was going to a casino, unfortunately, and um, he was, you know, we're arguing back and forth. He's allowed, it's not allowed. He's like, no, I'm going to go there. I'm not going to, you know, whatever I lose, I lose. It's fine. I don't mind it. I said, how much are you going for? How much are you, are you going with? You're not going to even believe it. Um, he says, $10,000. This person, um, you know, when somebody goes and asks him for a donation, give him chai. 18. Don't worry. No, every month 18. You know, every month. You know, 18. 101. Sephardim love 101. I don't know. Why not 102? Right? Why not? Chai, you want to give chai? Why don't you give 20? That's two extra dollars. You know, people all of a sudden want to give the, you know, the right. You want to, every dollar is another, is, is, you know, is, is, is extra for tzedakah, for charity. You have somebody. Now, why is somebody willing to go and go and gamble $10,000 
But yeah, when it comes to you know giving for Torah classes or going and hosting something, they'll give you know eighteen dollars, one on one. I don't know, one hundred and eighty if they're feeling happy. Right? Why is it? Because where do they see the importance in it? Where do they value the the you know, here we have, you know, $10,000, maybe I can make money making that. But, but here, what, unfortunately, what people think when they give charity, that's it, my money's gone. You know, fine, I'll donate, I'll feel good for a little bit. But that's it, they don't think about all the internal reward that they can get. They don't realize what they, you know, what, what they can have. We're dealing with nowadays, you don't need money to do Kirov. You don't need to be able to even know how to convince people to do Kirov. All you do is you share something for crying out loud. Why is that, t- why is that so hard? Do you realize the opportunity that you have? If you, for some odd reason, are on Facebook or any other Instagram, social media, or anything else, and you don't share any Torah class, it doesn't have to be mine, by the way. I couldn't care less. It could be anyone. Any, if you don't share a Torah class, then what are you doing? You are sitting on a gold mine. Imagine if you are able to go back in time, and you are able to invest in that uh, fake money, um, Bitcoin, right? You are able to go and invest in that. You know, there's some people, I know, I was speaking to uh, one of my students who had, you know, right when it came out, he needed to buy it for games, fantasy, football, I don't know what it, he needed to buy it for some odd reason. And he bought it, and I don't know if he spent a hundred, a thousand dollars, and uh, he sold it, you know, shortly after that. And he told me the amount of money that he would have had, had he not sold it, you know, back when it first came out, it, the, the, the number was astronomical. And, and, you know, and he was like, he's beating himself up ever since. He's like, why did I sell? I was like, I, couldn't, I didn't even feel it. I didn't feel the difference. Let's get, let's get all the comments afterwards at the end of the class. So you're like, you didn't, you didn't even, you know, you don't even realize it. Imagine I would be able to go and give you a time machine. Back, you know, whenever it is that you want. And you know that, let's say you invest in Facebook and, I don't know, whatever other, you know, you invest in anything when you go, IBM, whatever it was when it, when it became big. Apple you want to invest in. Would you invest in it if you were to if you were to go back in time? You know that this was going to make a lot of money, one hundred percent. Well, let's say you don't have any money, you would go and borrow. You would go and figure it out because you would know that this is going to make a lot of money. Well, I'm giving you a hint. To, you know, there, there's financial advisors. You know, financial advisors. You make a little money. You want to go and invest it. It's like, hey, you're going to put it in this Roth IRA. You're going to put it in this mutual fund. You're going to do it over here. This is going to make you this amount of return. This is going to make you this amount of return. For some reason, they don't have a spiritual financial investor, and they should. Let's start a new business. All right? Spiritual financial. Where should you donate your money to get you the most reward? And I'm telling you right now. I'm giving you a secret that you don't have to know in the future. That you don't have to go back in time. You want to know the most powerful thing that you could do is help somebody become religious. Because if you're, and not, it doesn't have to be from nothing to zero. Even help somebody, be mechazic somebody just a little bit. The reward that you're going to get is for eternity. For eternity. Do we even understand that? And it's not even going to cost you anything for crying out loud. It's a simple sheer, I don't even understand why people are not all non-stop just spreading out Torah. I don't, I really don't. You know, if I had the time to go and sit on social media, that, you know, that's what I would be doing. Just, just, you know, just sharing, keep on sharing you know, more and more and more Torah classes. You, we don't even understand it. Now I'll tell you another secret. And this is a secret, you know, you have a, um, you have a, a, uh, you know, a very, you know, let's call him a great financial advisor. He knows the next stock, he knows everything. He invites a bunch of multi-billionaires to come sit by his table, and he says, this is the next big thing. And now, what percent of people do you think are going to actually go and invest? And the number is actually going to surprise you. 90% are not even going to go, ah, I'm going to go, maybe I'll put a little bit, maybe I'll put this, and, you know, they go, I have to go golfing, and then I'm going to my yacht, and then I, you know, I got to redo my kitchen for the 17th time for my third wife, you know, whatever, you know, the reasons that they, that they have to, uh, you know, go through. And um, you have, you know, 10% of the people are actually going to go and are going to capitalize it. People that hear about a situation, a very, very, very small amount actually capitalize it. 
what I'm telling you right now is a gold mine. I am telling you a secret, and that's why I decided that I need to speak about this now and not wait till the end of the series. This is a gold mine that you have right now, the ability that you have to do. And I'll tell you even furthermore, the amount of people that are going to listen are going to actually going to act upon what I'm saying right now, 10%, if I'm lucky. 10%. 90% of the people are going to live the class today and be like, or listen to the class online and be like, that's very nice, it's amazing. Yeah, okay, are we going for ice cream? You know, they, it's completely, this is, this is a very, very big problem. When people listen to a class and you don't internalize this and act upon it, the majority of it is just a waste of time. Why did you even come? If you're not going to actually internalize or act upon what you learned, then what is the point of it all? Like really what? And I granted, even if you're not going to internalize it, it's good to come, good to learn Torah, obviously, you know, Torah is a reward in itself. But you have, it's, it's crazy how you have somebody who's going to share with you insider trading secrets, legal insider trading secrets, and not going to do it still. Can you even understand that? And people are still going to leave. They'll listen to the class and be like, okay, fine, I can earn a reward for eternity. You know what that is? You get one person to become religious, their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren, their great-grandchildren, for eternity is all in your debt. And no, no, I, I want to go ice skating. You know, it's like the, the stupid, invite them over for a movie, uh, Harry Potter. You know, like it's really cool. You know, like I got my new stuff. You waste, really? Like this is what you're here on this earth for? Really? So you could, you know, introduce a new beer and the new, uh, you know, your new flat screen, you know, TV to all your friends? It, really, is that what, it, what, what the purpose of it all is? The, you know, you look at another thing is that nowadays we're dealing with issues that we have never dealt with before on the volume that we never dealt with before. You know, rabbis generally get to hear all the not good news. Nobody calls rabbi here, rabbi, you know, I just won the multi-billion dollar lottery, I want to just let you know, you know, everything's amazing. You know, generally, what do you hear? You hear all about the depressed, the anxiety, the suicide. You hear, uh, you know, about the physical problems, the emotional problems, the spiritual problems. You hear about all the problems. You hear about, and not only that, how many people get, you know, pass away young? Not even in their, in their car accident. We ever had... When was the last time that you heard two horses collided because of drunk driving? You know, like, you never had this before, right? We're... By the way, horses are almost like self-driving cars. You ever think about that? It's almost like a self-driving car that you have over here. Right? So even if you have a drunk wagon driver, how often do you hear of, like, drunk driving, texting while, you know, he's riding his diary while riding his horse, and that's why they collided. You know, like, you don't hear about these things, you know, before. Drug overdose... Historically, how many do we have to deal with this already? Do you know what we have to deal with nowadays with drug overdose? The drug problem nowadays, I'm not even talking about the secular world. I'm talking about the religious community. Why do you ever stop for a second and think, why is this all happening? You have people that this past week, there was a funeral for a mother of three that passed away. We know we were praying for and we were learning for the, the, the you know, memory for you know, my, my wife's close friend. Passed away also, childbirth. Things that we never had to deal with at the volume that we ever had to deal with. What is going on? And if you read the news and you'll be like, oh, that's, that's, that's very sad. You know, uh, let's go back to Candy Crush. You know, like if you go and you just read the news and you don't internalize it, you missed everything. There is a question that we need to constantly ask. And that, is, that question is one word, three letters. Why? Why is this happening? And I'm not saying why that you could blame God. This is something that, you know, I, I speak to people all the time. The first thing that they have to blame is God. And I'm like, you know, and I get very, very, and I, I tell this to people in their faces, and it gets very, very uncomfortable. It gets very, very uncomfortable. People go and they have through a hard life. And I'm not judging anybody, I'm not, people have hard times, and I do. But they go and they blame God. Why did God do this to me? And I'm like, 
why are you blaming God for your problems? And the majority of the time, they're the ones that cause their own problems. They got into their drugs by themselves. They went and they did 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 all the problems. And guess who they blame at the end? They blame God. Stop blaming God for your issues. You have a problem, learn to deal with it and stop putting the blame on others. It's a problem that we're having and you should know. Relationship causes tremendous amount of problem, tremendous amount of frustration that goes into interpersonal relationship because the blame gets passed. They, you know, the husband gets upset, puts it on the wife. The wife gets upset, put it on the husband. Stop blaming other people. Look at yourself. Why? The question that you should ask is not why God did this to me. What did I do to deserve this? What, did I, what can I fix? If something has happened to you that it's not good, God is sending you a sign. Stop for a second and think, why? What is happening? Why do I deserve this? And if you go through life, even if it doesn't happen to you, other people, why is, God, why is God making this happen? Maybe there's something that I could do. Everything boils down to spirituality. Everything boils down to spirituality. And if there's something that's bad, it's happening, you have to think about it. What you could do spiritually? What could you do? The amount of problem, the reforced list that we had over here keeps on growing. You know, do we stop for a second and think, why? Why? Do you care for the other person? You know what would be a very, very nice thing? You know, ask, not going to mention your name on camera, for a copy of maybe of all the list. I want to pray for all those people. When is the last time that you prayed for somebody else that you have no idea? When is the last time that you went and you decided that you want to pray for somebody else to get married even though you desperately want to get married? But you stop for a second and you say, you know what, let me think about somebody else. And you should know, by the way, that's a secret. That if you pray for somebody else, you get an answer first. You should go, when do we stop and we stop all being so self-absorbed and only think about ourselves and stop and think about other people. What can I do to change something? And you want to know what's the ultimate thing that you can change? The ultimate thing that you can change, the ultimate gemilut chasadim, the best level of kindness is not to help someone physically, it's to help someone spiritually. There are so many people that are just, they're, they're thirsting for Torah. They're thirsting to just get closer to Judaism. All they need is one person to go and invite them. Doesn't even have to be the class. A Shabbat meal. Come over to my house for a Shabbat meal. You know that how much times, and then, you know, you have people. I, I, I was reading this today. There's a, there's a person um, who tries to push people away from Judaism. Uh, if we could say Yemashimal, then we can, maybe. And, uh, and he says, yeah, people invite people over for, you know, for a Shabbat meal. What's a Shabbat meal? You have family sitting down, you know, and that's very rare nowadays. I'm like, that's not the reason why people become religious because there's a family time. If that would be the reason, then you could go to Thanksgiving dinner. Or you could go to any other, you know, July 4th barbecue. You know, you, the reason that people come religious is not because they're coming in Shabbat and everyone's sitting as a family. It's because what's going, what's happening on that table? How are you interacting with your spouse, with your children? You know, I was sitting once at a, at a Shabbat meal and, uh, um, you know, it really bothers me that the things that people speak on the Shabbat table. Like, what do they speak about? The TV show, the sports, the business... I'm like, the one time, the once a week that you're finally sitting with your family, this is what you're discussing? You're, this is what you're showing your, you know what you're showing your children? It's more important business, it's more important, you know, movies, TV, you know, what the neighbor's doing, what the neighbor's driving, you know, who's getting divorced, who's having problems. This is what we're speaking about. Lashon ara, you know, nivul the disgusting at the lowest level, and this is what you're putting on your Shabbat table, and then you're wondering why your child doesn't love Judaism and doesn't love learning Torah. Because he doesn't see anything that's, that's love in, in, in the house. When we, when we go in there, you know, one time, um, I was in a house, and um, generally the way that it works Wherever I go to eat, um, 
I'll usually say it by myself, regardless of whether you ask me to or not, because especially what, depending on what the, the, you know, the conversation on the table is going. But some people, you know, I had one guy once, you know, sitting by, by his meal, and he's like, um, what's, uh, what's this week's parasha? Um, what's this week's Torah portion? And I'm like, I don't understand. I'm like, if you would ask me this Friday night, that's a good question for you. This is a Shabbat day meal. You are in synagogue. You heard them read the Torah. What were you doing for the 45 minutes that we were reading the Torah? For crying aloud, how do you not even know what we're deal- talking with? You know, there are people that are able to go and tell you the Mets and the Yankees and the Giants and the Jets scores for the past 10 years, but they don't know the weekly Torah portion. That's the type of guy you want to marry? Is that the type of guy you want to marry? Who every you know, week is like, okay, what, what's, uh, what's uh, this week? You know, you're sitting over there. If you're, and this is very important, and if you take offense in this, good. Uh, and this is really for the men. If you're sitting on Shabbat day, in the synagogue, and you don't know when you're opening up your Hamash what parasha you need to open up to, you have to reevaluate your entire life. How do you not know what this week's parasha is, regardless of even if you learned anything? Did you not listen to last week's parasha? You have to reevaluate what are you doing with your life? What have you been doing the entire week? Yeah, okay, you're busy, you're running a business, you're running this, you're running a family. You didn't have a chance to open up Hamash? You didn't have a chance to do that? This is what you're showing your children, this is what your children are going to end up doing. The. The woman, no. The woman, no. Absolutely not. Yeah. So, it can't hurt. Sometimes you need to tell your husband. Husband be like, what's, uh, you know, this week's spell show? Oh, this week's spell show. Oh, but she, she must. Exactly, exactly. Not Friday night. I don't know. Shabbat day, Monday and Thursdays. Right. So, the... See, I'm not even Yeah. You have, um, you know, there are certain people that come to classes, come to Torah class. And by the way, you should know, this is very important to, you know, to women. Um, I'm going to just apologize right now. I know we sp- I say this every single week. We just turn one page. Um, so whoever needs to leave, you know, you know, do your thing. You know, we'll be here for a few more minutes. So, um, and uh, the truth is, the majority of the things that I wanted to say tonight, that I said tonight, I had no intention of saying when I came in here. Right? As you can see, I only did, I only did it. I did majority of things I didn't. Yeah, whatever. I go- By the end, if I don't get to the end, I'm going to have to. I'm, I'm going to summarize it. Um, I'm going to have to or do part two. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you should know. I am right now, we're on the series. I think we're on part 18. If on the series, you should know. Um, where's Rachel? Right here. You, are the, you are the reason, by the way, that we started this series. Remember what you asked me a long time ago? You asked me a long time ago that you wanted to know what to, answer, what to, you know, what to say to things. When you told me that, I said, okay, you know, in my mind, I'll do a three-series class. So this series is already going on. This... 3 to 18, and we're still, we're not even close to done, by the way. We're not even close to done. So, you should be. We still have to deal with oral law. We still have to deal with Bible criticism. We still have to deal with free will. We still have to deal with a few more issues. Online? There you go. I did not find you online. I found you through another Gorski girl. Ah, there we go. And you should know that Gorski girl is getting all the reward. Is, is she even here? Look at, the, look at the reward that you could get. You could get somebody to come to class. You get all the reward, you don't have to come anymore. You know, you're, you're getting ready to get any reward. Uh, but no, granted, yeah. She doesn't even come off it. She doesn't? Oh, no. Okay. It's unbelievable. It really is unbelievable. So, it is. Oh, yes, you can go ask your question. So, wait, wait, wait. So, if let's say, like, the person grew up from and then, like, fried out, and then, 
And yeah. then, like, I got your lingo. Don't worry about it. Their way, um, let's say they are like reform, whatever, and they bring like their son to temple, and then like their son is the only one who like ends up becoming like from. Do they still get all that? even though they weren't from. Excellent question. We're going to answer that, hopefully, if I get to where I want to get to. So I will answer that, but it's a long, it's a, it's a long answer and an excellent, excellent question. And also, so um, I said, like, um, like before, um, if you try, like, many times talking to, like, the person about, like, God, prayer... We're going to get... You, know, you have to remind they get, me... Like, they get very mad and they don't, if, they don't listen. Then you don't have to. Then you don't have to. But again, I would refer you back. I gave a class called Rebuke the Obligation When, Where, and Why, something along those lines. That's where I deal with when do you have to stop. And I go through in detail on, on when, how far you have to go and when do you have to go, to go and stop. It's too long to go into, get into now. But the other question I will Hashem, answer. Anyways, let's move on. There are some people that, and this, by the way, is very, very relevant to women. There's some people that go into class once a month, once every six months, once a year on the parents. Uh, you know, I, have, I know I have a student and that comes to class, he arranges a nice class, when? when, his, when on, on, the, on the year side of his mother. When his mother passed away, that's when he arranges a, a large class. And he invites a lot of people. I tell them every time, I'm like, what, what about throughout the entire year? Uh, granted, you're doing a great thing for your mother. But what about the entire year? You're able to carry such a big crowd to your class. You'll be able to handle a class, and he doesn't do it. Doesn't capitalize it. It's such a shame. There are some people that have the power, the ability to go and arrange a class. They're able to go and they're able to, you know, really bring a large group together. And this is something also, like, if I get like, there's a few people, I don't, I don't think anybody here in the room that emailed me, they wanted to come to, you know, to this class, you know, back when we, start, you know, when we started it. And they said, you know, can we bring people? I'm like, what type of question is that? Of course, invite the whole world to learn to walk. Like why, that should never be a question. Invite everybody. Because if you think about it, who you invite, you get reward for that. It's something so unbelievable, so unfathomable that we don't even realize uh, the reward that we're dealing with it. Now you have a child that's growing up in a home with the mother or the father. And again, not always. Some people get busy. They're going to class once a year or verse three times a week. What do you think the difference of that child is going to be? What do you think that child is going to grow up? No, you know, daddy's you know, important. He has to go to class. He sees mommy going once every two weeks. You know, if she's not able to, whatever it is, goes to a class. It's a different mentality when you show something how important, you know, uh, you know that, that, you know, this is what it is. The... You know, when, when somebody goes and when some, we start off this, this class on, you know, when someone passes away, you realize when someone passes away, it's not, it's not, that's it. You have no connection, no nothing. You're able to go and send a package to that person. If somebody passes away, you're able to go and do a good deed for a memory and merit of that person. Do you understand what that is? That you're able to go and it's not through like snail mail, right? It doesn't go through the UBS, gets sorted, <laughs> but you know, it's this, you know, it gets instantly. You, got, you know, you do a good deed. Angels come, right? They're, you know, they flap down. They, ga- they gather this, you know, this mitzvah that you do. They bring it up into the next world. They bring, present it to your parent, your grandparent, your great-grandparent, your friend, whatever it is. They open it up. Because of that, now they go into a higher level of, you know, in heaven. Do you realize the power that you have? People say, rest in peace, that's it, it's over. Like, what are you talking about? I usually ask these people, I'm like, so what do you think, uh, you know, they usually, I don't even have to ask them, they usually tell them, tell this to me. Um, yeah, you know, my friend, he passed away, but, you know, God took his strongest soldier. Now, I, lo- I love when they say that because it's going to get very ugly very fast because I know that's going to happen. I don't enjoy, the, by the way, the con- confrontation. I really don't enjoy this, but I do do it. And I say, oh, really? They're, they're right, God's right-hand man. That's, that's uh, cool. Um, they keep uh, Shabbat? No, like, no, no, but it was a good person. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, they uh, kept kosher? No, but he had a heart of gold. Heart of gold, like a big heart of gold. Like, cool, cool. 
Um, what did they do besides being a nice person? And then they have to start racking the brains, you know, uh, you know, like they brought flowers to their parents. Like, wow, they were a decent child. Uh, congratulations. I'm like, God's right-hand man? That's, that's all it takes to be God's right-hand man? I'm like, sign me up. <laughs> like, if this is all I have to do? I'm like, who are you to decide who is God's right-hand man? Somebody who does, you really think, I'm like, I told this thing, honestly. And, uh, you know, the, the unfortunate part is, is actually this was a brother of the person. I'm like, you honestly think that if he didn't keep Shabbat, didn't keep kosher, didn't do anything Jewish, he's God's right-hand man? And I granted, I, I, I you know, love him on him only for the best for him. But come on, be realistic for a second. Didn't listen to God at all. You really think that's what's going to be? I'm like, what about you? I'm like, you see how short life is. And the truth is, we should all see how short life is. Open up any newspaper, any Jewish newspaper. How many times have you see young people passing away? If you don't wake up and realize life is short, then you are completely spacing out through the entire life. If you don't even think about it for a second, life is really short. What am I doing? What am I, am I, if I'm going to be going, am I going to be God's right-hand man? Right-hand woman, whatever it is. Soul, not, not no gender, right? So whatever it is, you're going up there. Where are you going to be? Do you ever stop for a second and think about it? Yeah, it's morbid. Yeah, it's not so fun to think about it. But yeah, it's the most important thing that you can think about. I tell us all that you have to think about. You have to think about these things. The, you know, the Gemara on Shabbat speaks about when um, the destruction of the temple. The, the, the angel of destruction went and they wanted to go and... and, and uh, sort of attack the righteous people as well. And they were like, wait, wait, why are you attacking the righteous people as well? He says, ah, because the righteous people didn't help the regular people, the sinners, the people, they didn't help them come and do tshuva. But then, that, you know, that it gets answered and says, well, listen, even if they would have said something, they still, the, the sinners would never would have listened. And this is like, you know, the, the angel of judgment, whatever, this is a long, you know, there's a two, two different, you know, perspectives. So, from one perspective, it says, yeah, it says, you and I know that because we're in the next world. But the righteous people never knew that. And if they didn't know that what they are going to say is not going to have any effect, they should have said it. And because they didn't say it, that's why they died as well. People get punished. You realize you get punished as well if your friend is not doing something right. And it's something very scary. It's something very scary. We're all interconnected. To think that somebody else is doing something wrong, it's not your problem, that's, a, that's 100% incorrect. Of course it's your problem. If you have a son that's doing something wrong, it's not your problem, of course it's your problem. If you have a sibling, a best friend that's doing something wrong, it doesn't bother you? Of course it does. And it should. And if it doesn't, then you have a very, very big problem. The, there's a pasuk in Jeremiah, chapter 15, verse, ni- uh, verse 19. It says that God's saying, If you return, I will return you. You will stand before me. And then it says something very interesting. It says, You will be like my mouth. What does that mean that you will be like my mouth? Rashi says that if God makes a decree, you could overturn it. Now what are we talking about over here? This is a reference to people that are helping other people do repentance. Look at Rashi over there. Rashi is saying over there in Jeremiah chapter 15 verse 19, if you help somebody else come and do repentance, you have the ability to overturn a decree. You know what that happened? Talk about connections, right? Talk about you have connections into the upper world. And yet, we have such a simple ability, so easy to do it. Share some, invite somebody. What does it cost to invite somebody to a class? You know, like it's, you have sushi, what is there, pizza? I don't know how many stuff you guys have over here. You have candy, you have drinks, there's grape juice for crying out loud, and Twizzlers. You have stuff, why do we have grape juice? A bracha party? Okay. Uh, so you have, uh, you know, you have all these things that you have reason to go and to, it's so simple. Like, really, you're sitting in a nice room, an air conditioner room, with, with friends, family, some, and it's so hard to invite somebody to a class. It's so hard to send somebody a class. 
eternity that you have on your fingertips and we're all losing it out. We're all just letting it slip, all pass by. There's a Igmah in Avodah Zarah that says that for the world is going to last, anybody know for how many years? 6,000 years. 6,000 years. 2,000 years of emptiness, 2,000 years of Torah, and 2,000 years of Mashiach. You know when we start counting the 2,000 years of Torah? By Avraham. But not when Avraham started learning about God. When Avraham started going and bringing other Jews back, to, not even, it wasn't Jews, bringing other people back to God. When he started doing Kirov, that's when, the, that's, when everything, that's when we started counting the, the, you know, the Torah. You know what you want? You think about something very interesting. Why is it, there were plenty of righteous people before Avraham. Why did God start the Jewish nation with Avraham Avinu? Hanukh, for example. He became an angel, a level of an angel. He died, he went straight, you know, he didn't even die, went straight up, to, straight up to heaven. You're talking about somebody, God could have had so many other people to start the Jewish nation. Why did he pick Avraham? Because Avraham was the first person to go and help other people realize God. He was the first righteous people, there were plenty of more righteous people before him. But Avraham went and sacrificed his own ability to go and keep himself secluded. And go and, and make himself only worry about his own spirituality. He started worrying about somebody else's spirituality. He became the father of the Jewish nation. You're talking about something that everybody, every one of us, we all, we all stem from, we all stem from Abraham. Where did that come from? And by the way, you know Abraham? Abraham is known as Yeda'atib. What does that mean? The Rashi says, Chiba, love. God says to Abraham, Ohavai, my love. God doesn't say this to anybody else. Somebody that goes and helps other people come closer, comes to Chuba, come closer to Judaism, God calls him Ohavai, my love. Is that not a term that you want from God? Imagine the level that you have. Do we even understand, you know, the, this, you know, the, the, the level that we have over here? The Chavot al-Bavot in chapter 4, in Sha'ar B'Dachon, says like this, that a person's good deed alone does not merit him a, a place in the next world. What does it merit him a place in the next world? When he teaches others and he guides them to go, to go in service of God. When you teach others, that's when it's going to get you. The power that you have, and you don't even understand, give me, give me a few minutes while I get the question. The power that you have is so un. Believable, and we just sleep on it. We don't even realize it. You don't even realize the power that you have. The Zohar says if you would realize the power what it is to break somebody else closer to Judaism, this is what you'll run like a crazy person for the entire life trying to get one person to go back to Judaism. You know, you, you know, you know people ask you, like, why did I you know, get into like you know, Kira, for example? Uh, you know, because I looked at it from a business perspective. I shouldn't have, but I did. I looked at it from a business perspective. Like, if you go, and you, there's so many people that need help. Not only people that are not religious, people that are religious, they don't know the basics. People don't know the basic stuff that you need to... There are so many people that you could help out there. And if you realize the opportunity, you could be that 10% that capitalizes that opportunity or the 90% that snoozes through the entire thing. The, you know, and, and by the way, people realize, like, I don't know how to do Kira. I don't know what am I supposed to say. You don't even have to say anything sometimes. There are some people that are just so thirsty for learning Torah that all, that's all you need. There was a woman, I heard this story, I th- if I'm not mistaken, I think Rabbi, Rabbi Dubin Ben Chushat says this story. says that um, there was a, a woman that, told, that called you know, Rabbi Ben Chushat and said, listen, says, I, wanted, I want to share with you a story. It says that you know, she had her son, that her son was going you know, off the religious path. And she wanted to go and bring him on to the religious path, but she didn't know what to do. So she decided, she told her son, says, bring your closest friends. I'm going to make a barbecue. We're going to get the best steaks. You're going to, we're going to throw a bar. We're going to have everything. You're going to have everything that you want. It's going to be amazing. So he says, you know, free food for all my friends. Awesome. You know, invites his friends over. Maybe they bring us, you know, a few extra, you know, 
beverages uh, for entertainment. And, uh, you know, they bring over there. But the, what the mother didn't say is that she also invited a rabbi to come into this barbecue. And they, she goes and she cooks, the, you know, she cooks like she never cooked before. The best steaks, the best french fries, the best everything. And she went and she, um, you know, and this rabbi came. And the rabbi came. Now, what the rabbi is going to come? He's not going to come and be like, hey, do you believe in God? You know, maybe going straight to the stuff. You know, they didn't, they didn't start speaking to them about basketball, but what they enjoy, what they like. And, you know, that's all the, the rabbi spoke about. Just what they like. You know, they were in the presence of a rabbi, and that was it. The, it went really well. The mother said, listen, next Sunday we're making another barbecue. Bring all your friends. It was awesome. It was a great time. And the, you know, the, you know the, the, the son invited all the friends, and the rabbi, the rabbi came back as well. This time, the rabbi didn't bring any books, nothing too intimidating, right? And he just started speaking. Just, you know, they started asking questions, you know, and they started answering, like, oh, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Part of it. And they started just talking very, very casually. The next week, the, the mother invited again. The next week, again and again and again, the kids kept on coming back until the point was that the kids were, not, were all not religious. They didn't even come for the food anymore. They came, they enjoyed it. They wanted to see the rabbi speak. Now, by the way, you should know, all these 10 kids, all not, they're, they're, they're married. They all are religious. Not only are they religious, they wake up early to learn Torah before they go to work, and they learn afterwards. afterwards. Where did that all stem from? Inviting over, you know, for a barbecue. It doesn't mean that you have to go and you have to do so much. It does, you invite something over to, for the, you know, invite something over, somebody over. Even if you speak to them a little bit, you, there is, people are thirsty for Torah. People are thirsty for Torah. You don't even understand that I had so many people that have come to my classes, to, and they told me this, that they just came to make fun, to, to make trouble, to make problems. They enjoyed it so much, and they ended up sticking around. I, you know, and it was shocking to me. It was shocking to me, first of all, that they told me. I, I remember one guy in particular. I, every time I say this story, I always remember one guy in particular. He came over to me uh, you know, afterwards, and he says, he says, Rabbi, I want to tell you, I came over here only, first of all, it was free food. And secondly, I wanted to just break you apart. And I knew religion is nothing. He says, but what you were saying was, was pretty interesting. So, and this guy, this guy, this is, why, this is why, this guy ended up opening up every single class. I mean, he came in not interested in learning Torah. Not only not interested, he wanted to go against it. And he ended up being the first person for times and times, that, you know, at end. People are thirsty, uh, you're thirsty for Torah. And I want to finish with, with, uh, with one thought that, <clears throat> that's going to answer your question that you asked earlier. The, this is something that I heard from Rabbi Fischl Shachter. There is a mitzvah called hakel. Hakel is a mitzvah. The time of the Bet HaMikdash, they would go and they would invite, invite all, the, you know, all the men, women, and children in the Bet HaMikdash. There would be a stage. And uh, you know, the king would go and he would read certain parts of the Torah. Now, Rabbi Eliezer ben Azaya, Rabbi Eliezer ben Azaya goes and he says, why is this all happening? To bring the reward on the people that bring them. So now listen to this very, very carefully. The women, children, and men all come to hear the Torah. Women, fine. Men, fine. But why do children have to come? I mean, granted, if somebody has to watch them. But why do the children have to come? Says Rabbi Eliezer ben Azaiah, because it brings a reward for the people that, that bring them. Now, there was, uh, going uh, you know, back in time, there was a person by the name of Shaul Amelach. He was a king. And he was in a very, very desperate situation. He was dying. He was surrounded by his enemies, the Plishtim. And he wanted, you know, he did a sin. He didn't, he didn't kill out all the Amalekim. He wanted to go and he wanted to, uh, you know, to find out what he needs to do. He lost out. He went to Ulum Vitumim. He wanted to go and ask. No answer. He went to the prophets and the Nevi'im. No answer. He was getting very nervous, very scared. He didn't know what to do. He decided to do something that, again, is not allowed. And what did he do? He went over and he wanted, he was looking for a witch. Now, he was a person that went and killed out all the witches. You know, so that, you know witch, witchcraft and wizardry, right? You're not allowed to, according to the halacha. There was one witch that would remain alive. He called this witch over. 
And he says, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to harm you. He says, I need you to, I need to ask somebody a question, but that person is no longer alive. I need you to bring them back. And he guaranteed that he wouldn't hurt her. And he brought back, he he brought back Shmuel Hanavi. He brought back Shmuel Hanavi. And when Shmuel was, Shmuel was in, you know, a very, very righteous, righteous man, right? And when he went to get called and summoned to this world, he got very nervous. He's like, who's calling me? He quickly goes, calls to Moshe Rabbeinu. He calls Moshe Rabbeinu and says, come, come with me. Now the question is, why is Shmuel Hanavi so nervous? He was an Avi, he was such a holy person. He was on the highest level. Why is he scared of being summoned? And the answer is, is that, you know, people get judged at different parts in, the, in their life. And besides getting judged on Rosh Hashanah, you, get, you should know that you get judged every single night. If you have a hard time falling asleep, not, it could be, you know, you know insomnia. But it also, it's also could be that it's a, it's a certain judgment. You get judged every single night. You get judged, you know, th- there's plenty of judgment that a person has throughout the entire, uh, the, the entire life. Every Friday, whatever it is, we're not going to get into all the judgments that you have. But... Every single year, we said the Book of Dead are getting judged. Why are they getting judged? What they left for their children and their grandchildren, even other children, their friends, their family, the people that they, that they help them bring them closer to Judaism or take them away further from Judaism. Whatever it is, they get judged in it. So Shmuel Anavi was very nervous. He went and he called over, he called over Moshe Rabbeinu. And why did he call over Moshe Rabbeinu? So we have to learn a little bit about Shmuel Anavi. I'm going to give you, we're going to go through this very, very quick because this is a long story, a class entirely in itself. If you're not familiar with this story, just bear with me, you'll be able to understand the basics of it. Shmuel's first prophecy, he was a prophet, his first prophecy was not a good one. It was on Eliyahu Cohen. Eliyahu Cohen had children. The children were not the best type of children. They were the Kohanim. And if somebody came, brought a big bull, you know, a big healthy bull, they brought him straight to the top of the line. If someone brought pigeons, you know, all right, you can wait in there. They sort of, you know, they weren't, they weren't, they weren't going into, into the right path. The prophecy that Shmuel Anavi got on Eliakon was not a good one, which means is that God was telling to Eliakon, you better wake up, otherwise there's going to be a problem. And the, the, the prophecy was that if he doesn't, you know, doesn't correct his kid's behavior, his children will die for generations, die early. So um, Eliakon found out that Shmuel Anavi has a, um, you know, has a prophecy for him. So he says, why are you not telling me the prophecy? He says, I don't want to. So, um, El- Elia Cohen went and, and he said that, he said, if you don't tell me the prophecy, whatever happens is going to happen on your children. So he says, okay, fine, fine, fine. And he told him the entire, and he told him the entire prophecy, you have to correct your kid and you have to do that. Now, that was that scenario. Now, Shmuel and Avi's kids did not go in his path as well. They also didn't go in his path, similar to Elia Cohen. And he was very frightened. He says, what's going to happen after I die? What's going to happen when I get judged? What am I going to do with my kids that didn't go on my path? So the answer that was given to him was that if you do what you need to do, if you do what you're supposed to do, you're not held reliable. You're not held liable, I'm sorry. If you guided them to the right path and that was out of your control, you're not held liable. This is what Moshe Rabbeinu, Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu, Poked Abanot Al-Banim. God is going to judge the sins of the children on their fathers. Moshe Rabbeinu says, that's not fair. He says, what if it's not the father's fault? If it's, out of the fa- if it's out of the father's you know, hands, if they did whatever they could, they don't held responsible. This is a very, very important idea over here. And you know, to explain it, I have to explain what the Satmar Rebbe said. The Satmar Rebbe said like this. He said that there are three types of souls that come into the world. One type of soul, no matter what you do to this kid, this kid's going to turn out to be a righteous kid. It's just like, you know, one of those kids, you know, it doesn't matter. You could, it could be brought up in a drug, you know, you know situation. He's going to be a big tzaddik. You have another type of kid, no matter what you do, this kid's going to turn out to be a rasha. Then there's going to be a third scenario where this kid is going to be depending on your chinuch, depending on the way that you upbring it. The way that you do, if you do whatever it is in your ability to do to help this child, and this child goes off, 
and this child does something that should not be should not be doing, you're not held reliable. Why? Because you did what you need to do. Eliyahu Cohen now was going, and he was Shmuel Anavi was very nervous. He was being summed by Shaul Melach. And he said, quickly, let me go and let me bring, let me bring, uh, let me, who did he want to bring? He wanted to, to bring Moshe Rabbeinu. Why? Because Moshe Rabbeinu was the one that said that if you do whatever you can do, you're not held liable. And that's what Shmuel did everything that he could do. Now this is why they go and they answer, they say that this is why they do hakel. Why they do hakel? They gather all the children. Everybody comes in together to listen to the Torah. Why? Because you never know what a child is all of a sudden going to hear from one Torah class. Maybe that's going to change them. Maybe that's going to help them. For that, it's worth it. Let it be noisy. Let, we're going to bring it over here because this is all worth it for this. Who said this? Who said that? Who, we started off with this, this idea that said, who is the one that said that if you bring your children to, the, you know, to Hakel, you, it's going to bring reward on the parents? Rabbi Eliezer ben Azaya. Who was Rabbi Eliezer ben Azaya? Gilgulov, a reincarnation. We're going super deep now, so I apologize, guys. If you're, who? Shmuel. What did Eliezer ben Zayah said? He was 18 years old when he became the Nasib. He said, I am like I am 70 years old. But I don't understand how are you 70 years old. I'm only, you're only 18 years old. If anything is going above your head, guys, just please bear with me for a, for, for a few minutes. You have to have a lot of backup for this information, but, but this is very, very important. The, he says, I am like I am 70 years old. But I don't understand how are you 70 years old. You're 18 years old. The answer is, he remembered his previous reincarnation. Who was his previous reincarnation? Shmuel Anabi. How old was Shmuel Anabi when he died? 52 years old. 52 plus 18 is what? 70 years old. We have a few accountants in the room. So, yeah. 70 years old. He remembered it. Majority, some people do, majority don't. Um, he said, Why am I like I'm 70 years old? Because I am 18, but I remember my 52 years of Shmuel Anabi, so I am like 70 years old. What did Rabbi Leazar ben Azai, again, I'm telling you something that needs a tremendous amount of background detail if you don't know this, and I apologize because it's late, we cannot go into it. Maybe at a different time we'll go through all the background stories. Shmuel, uh, and Azaya, when he became the when he became the leader, he went and he opened the Bet Midrash. Rabbi Gamliel was the leader before him, and Rabbi Gamliel said, "What does the leader mean? In, if you want to go learn Torah, there would be a guard at the door. If you're outside, it's not like you're inside, then you're not allowed to go in." Rabbi Leizer and Azaya says, "No, we're going to let everybody in." Why are we going to? Why did Rabbi Leizer and Azaya say we let everybody in? Because you never know what one Torah class is going to do for somebody. You never know what something else is going to change somebody else's life. And this is why Rabbi ben Azaya says we bring the children to Hakel. Why? Do Rabbi, because Rabbi ben Azaya was the most perfect person to say this. Because he comes from Shmuel Navi, and Shmuel Navi was told, and he says that if you did everything in your power, you're not going to be held responsible for your children if they didn't go on the right path. But you have to do everything in your power. And this is a very, very important lesson. You have over here this, this, you know, this idea that not only is your life only you know, your life. It's also your children's life, your friend's life. You, you know something very interesting that I've learned throughout the, you know, the period of time that I've been dealing in the public is that not only is your life not only your life, but it's also your friends around you. If somebody goes and somebody, let's say, decides they want to start you know, smoking up you know, weed, marijuana, guess what? The friends get sucked into that also. Somebody else decides they want to come religious, their friends also become more religious. I've seen this time and time again. When you have a group of friends that's sort of in the middle, we're, sometimes one person leads the entire group and that person has reward or punishment for the entire group it's something so crazy something so unfathomable that you don't realize it and we'll end off with this thought you guys all have an opportunity and it's not just anybody in here anybody that ever listens to this class even if you don't listen to this class you still have this opportunity you have an opportunity to earn you to become a multi-billionaire spiritually to get you eternal rewards forever and ever all you have to do is send the class to somebody else Bring somebody else to Judaism closer. And it doesn't even take any effort on your part. 
simply go on the worst place that you could ever go online, on Facebook, right, and share something. And you share it all of a sudden, or, what, or WhatsApp. WhatsApp is even better, I think, than, than, uh, um, you know, than, than Facebook. You could share to like a thousand groups in like one shot, a Torah class. What do you think that'd be? Oh, this girl is so annoying. She's in so many classes. Okay, Grant, let somebody else think. If somebody will go and tell you, like, oh, this person is so annoying. They're always driving their Lamborghini around. They're always driving their, you know, Bugatti around. They're always driving their Rolls Royce around. Are you going to care about that person so much? I don't think so. All right, not so much. So why should you care that one person can say, oh, stop sending out so many classes. Who cares about that? When you could have that possibility of earning an eternal reward, but maybe one person out of all those, we're all in a thousand WhatsApp groups, right? It's a disease. Um, you're, you're all in all these things. You don't know that you could send out a, a Torah class. You don't know that maybe one person will listen to it. You'll send it to a thousand people, but one person will listen to it, and that one person is going to change. For that, already it's worth it. You have the opportunity. You each and every single one of us, not only you, I'm, me included, we have the opportunity to change the world and not even know anything about Judaism. You could be the 10% that goes and capitalizes on it, or you could be the 90% that goes and snoozes in it and does nothing else with their, their life and falls asleep and just loses the entire internal reward, the ability. And the biggest kicker is, is after 120, you're going to kick yourself so hard of what I couldn't accomplish. I didn't even need to do anything. We have the power. Why do we have the power now? Because Mashiach is at the door. And I'll tell you something. The people are going to become religious whether, you, whether it's through you or not. The question is, is it going to be you are going to be the messenger or somebody else is going to be the messenger? There are plenty of people nowadays that are capitalizing on it. And I know them. I know them personally. They are capitalizing on it. They're going and they're doing Kiruv and they're doing chanting, plenty of things. The question is, are you going to jump on the wagon? Are you going to become that multi-billionaire spiritually? Or are you going to fall asleep and you become the 90% that doesn't do anything? Any questions? Does um, like Kiruv also like, apply to like, people that are from... A hundred thousand million billion gazillion Google percent. Many people that are from need more care than people that are not from. I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you. There are many people that they don't. They you know. And if you realize the topics that I deal with, those that is what I'm catered to. I'm catered to not only the people that have never been religious, people that have been religious from birth, just don't know the right path of the Torah. They don't know the right. They they don't realize the beauty of it. They don't realize the power of it. They don't realize the depth of it. Also. Um Yes, you had a question and answer. Um, let's say, um, like, also, like, um, if your family isn't, like, like, religious, how do you help them come from that? So every scenario... Especially if they're, like, very, like... Against it? So I'll tell you like this. Every scenario you have to deal with very carefully. And every scenario has to dealt with on a one-on-one basis. I cannot tell you one answer will answer anything. But you have family also you have to be very, very careful because it's very hard to convince family. Family, it's easier to convince somebody that's not your family than your family. But if you do it right, number one, lead by example. Become a better person. Become a better person. I know somebody who became religious. Why? Because someone in their family became religious and they were just a nicer person. And that's it. They didn't teach them anything about Judaism. They were just a nice person, a mensch. They were like that. But you go and you invite them in a class, you host a class in, you host a Torah class in your house. I've had people that their parents are not religious, but they hosted a Torah class in their house, and I spoke about the topic that they asked me to speak about, whatever it was. Also, also um, if let's say like um, Thank you. the person, let's say, was like kind of from growing up, then like left it, and then in their own way tried tried to like do like Jewish things, and then. Um, their son became from. Did they get? Depends if they if they had a part of that. Then yes, but if they did not, if let's say they yeah, sent yeah, the they, so they took like like their son to like reform temples. That's not doing the right thing. <laughs> that's not doing the right thing. No, like because 
You can you can pick it up. You can pick it up. It's, no, it's fine. Right. It, you did an excellent job, by the way. It was excellent. So, um, if first of all, sending the kids to reform school does not mean that you're going to, you know, that. No, no, no. Temple, like, like, the Shabbos. Only God knows this thing. But you have to do what you need to do. Is it count? I would like to say yes, but I have a feeling no. Um, because reform, you're not even going to a reform temple. You're not allowed to. It's, uh, they distort Judaism. It's not the true Judaism. They, they make their own. It's a really, a really a new religion. It's really, they, they really have almost nothing to do with Judaism. They read the Torah, so do Christians. You know? So do the Muslims also, the Old Testament. You know, so like, you know, but they, they distort it. It's a, it's a very big problem. Good. Uh, you had a question, right? Yeah, family is very... But it has to be... I, again, it's a case-by-case scenario. If you present me the particular case, I'll tell you more or less what, you, what I would feel the best thing to do. It's not always... Some family, it's better to give space. Some family, it's better to go and bring to a Torah class. Some, it depends on the personality. It depends on a lot of things. You have to be smart in this thing. Like any business, you have to be smart when you go into it. You have to study the situation. You have to figure out what's going to be the best, best option, and then you have to work on it like that. So personality comes into effect of it. The previous relationship with Judaism has to come into effect of it. There's so many other aspects that have to, you know, have to come uh, in effect. It still counts. What you should do is, is, is if they're not going to make a blessing, say you're going to make a blessing aloud, they just say amen or something like that. Yeah. You could, you could if you do it the right, right way, you know, you could, you could cater anything. Anything that you do in your life, you could get reward for it or you could get punished for it. Sleeping, you could get reward for sleeping. You go to sleep before you sleep and say, I'm sleeping God so I could do your will. Tomorrow. I'll have the energy, you get reward for that sleep. You go to sleep saying, okay, I'm sleeping so I could go tomorrow and I could, you know, watch a rerun of all the TV shows that I missed, you know, you know, my grandparents, whatever it is that you're doing. All that, you're not getting reward for the sleep. Every single thing that you do in this world, whether it's physical or spiritual, you could, you could cater it towards the spirituality, you could cater it toward the, phys- the physical side. Also, um, I asked like, before, if that person gets like, very like, angry, even if you are just, even if that person will ask you and say, I'm so like, sad, like, like whatever, and then like, um, you'll say, prayer like, helped, helped me, and then like, um, the person gets very, very like, angry all the time. What do you do? The best thing is, if it's not working, get somebody else to speak to them, not you. Okay. Get it from a different angle. Um, so I get this all the time, and I and I gladly do this. People bring me to class, bring me, bring me, uh, you know, bring a certain person to the class. I speak to them afterwards. I've had, you know, last week I just had a long two-hour debate with somebody. Wow. You know, like I do that all the time. It, you know, bring it to someone you know that's interested. It'll be able to speak to them, try to speak to them on a personal level, on an interpersonal level. You know, something that they'll be able to relate to. Yeah. If you feel that you're hitting a block. Reach out to somebody who does this, who knows how to do this, and they could guide you towards, uh, you know, a, possibly a right of path. But the number one thing that you should do is pray for that person. Yeah. You have to pray for that person. I do. That's good. Mm-hmm. Any other questions? Yeah. You should. Um, I have any questions on your questions, but how do you So that's a very, very hard situation, especially when the parents are, not only are they not interested, they're against it. Or family members so are against it. Yeah, they'll fight. They'll fight you on it. So, right. So that type of scenarios are are again. They're all case by case. But I'll tell you a general uh, a general uh, rule of it. This is usually family members. The best and easiest way you can nip this in the bud in almost anything, but it's hard on the person to do it. Put yourself vulnerable to them. 
you go to them and say, listen, mom, dad, brother, sister, whatever, you know, I love you very much and I understand what you're saying. And I know you love me. I know you care about me. This makes me happy. This is really what I want. I can really see the truth in this. And I'm really asking you to please support me through what I'm going through with that. You should know, the more vulnerable you make to your parents, the less fight you're going to get from them. No parents can be like, well, I don't care. I don't want your happiness. I, know I want to be, you know, this thing. No one's going to do that. A parent only cares for the best of their child. Why do they drag you away from that? Because they feel this is not your best. But if they realize this is your best, they're going to stand by you no matter what. So the easiest way, but it's hard. It's hard to be vulnerable. It's very hard to open up and very hard to say, listen, you know, I love you. This is what I, by the way, it's why I tell people that are getting married and they're go- the parents want to have a mixed wedding. If you go to your parents and they want a mixed wedding and you tell them, mom and dad, I love you and I appreciate everything that you're doing and everything that you do for this wedding, but this is going to make me so happy and I'm begging of you. The more vulnerable that you make yourself to them, they're not going to say no to the little girl, the little boy. They're not going to say that. Depends how vulnerable you get. Yeah, we have that situation. If you get, I've had scenarios before. I knew, I had a girl, they used to come to this class. Um, she and her, I, I teach her and I teach her husband. In the men's class, she went and she presented both of their parents with tears. She said she, was, she had tears in her eyes. Her parents were very adamant against mixed dancing. Well, in a mixed dancing wedding, she went with tears in her eyes. I was by the wedding, there was a mechitza over there. Wow. Right? And they had parents over there. But it's okay if you have mixed yeah, again, everybody by itself, right. You can always compromise. And I tell this all the time to people. Compromise by all means. Mix, if you can't do that, have mixed eating, but don't have mixed dancing. Mixed dancing is no compromise. You're not allowed. Yeah. Yeah. And they got engaged first? Yeah. So I'll tell you like this. There is... There's so many different venues that come in, that come into effect. It's hundred percent, hundred percent true. But again, you have to figure out that there's a lot more factors. That so the question was, I keep on forgetting this. You guys have to remind us when people ask questions. They ask me online. They keep on emailing me to repeat the question so they can understand it. And the question is like this. The question is an excellent question. What happens if you daven for somebody and you pray for somebody and, the, and you say you're supposed to get an answer first and you see the other person got an answer first? And the answer is yes. Sometimes you'll see that. Why? Because there are a thousand different factors, a thousand different variables that come into play in here. First of all, let's say you pray for somebody that you should, they, they should get married. They could have been, you know, they're destined to get married before you. They were supposed to get married before you. They had a thousand different, you know, variables that went for God. Doesn't mean that your prayers didn't go answered. There's so many answers. I could give, exactly. You, you don't know, and the answer is really you don't know the alternative. Let's say somebody unfortunately was praying and they were supposed to get married when they were 35. And because of that, now they're going to marry at 25 instead of 35. You can't compare. You don't know the alternative. You really don't know. But one thing is for sure, the prayer gets answered. The prayer will get answered. It doesn't mean that it's going to get answered on your terms, but it's going to get answered. Which is good. Continue doing that. Any other questions? Her prayers were answered. Her prayers are answered. Yeah, brother. So, this is a this is a topic that I want to be off some speak about prayer. People have a very hard time with prayer. They feel like they're talking to nobody, they're talking to a wall. I don't, have, I don't have that like Excellent. as much so, Every single prayer gets answered. It, the answer sometimes might be no or not now. Or the answer might be yes. But every single prayer is heard. Some prayers are put on hold until, you know, there, there's a lot of different variables. Let us know that 
It could have been worse had you not traded this amount. You could do that. If you open up any newspaper, you do that. You know, there's some people, let's say, that are dying to buy a house. There's some people that are going and they, they're dying to get married. But then you see so many cases that people have a disgusting divorce. People have unfortunate, untimely deaths. People have so many other problems with the law, with, with so many problems. How do you know? You don't know what you... What you could see the alternative. If you just open your eyes... I don't know that, but still, it's just like... I'm like praying so hard. It's just like... Not even a dent in like... How do you know? I don't know, but like... So yeah, that's what I'm saying. You I don't know. I want to see something. You know what I mean? Like something that you're listening. you just like... And if you look in... If you look deep, you will find it. You will find, your, you will find that your prayers are getting answered if you just look a little bit. Open your eyes. On, on the way home tonight, just think about it. Think about what you prayed for. Think about it. Let's say if it's, if it's marriage, think about the dates that you've been getting. Some people are dating way off topic, way off, way off hand. And all of a sudden, they're getting something you know, closer to the thing. Some, if you think about it, you'll see that your prayers are answered, but you have to open your mind and you have to think about it. And I guarantee you, 99.9% of the time, you'll find, you, you, oh yeah, you know what? I did, that did help over here. And that did, all of a sudden, it is a little bit easier for me. Even just emotionally, it's easier for me. Even just, you know, this. There are so many answers that I could give you, but you could give yourself the own answers if you just open your eyes. A, a guy, I, I listened to me. says that... Uh, um, if any, <laughs> let's see how many people go in and come to you. It's like, with that thing, you right. need like 20 to 30 prayers or it's like... You never know. You really never know. Any other questions before we close it? No other questions? I really can't emphasize this enough. The power that each of every one of you have to do and help other Jews is nowadays like it has never been before in the history of the world. Don't misuse this opportunity. Don't let this opportunity go by. Capitalize it, capitalize it in a big because you guys can make a tremendous dent. And you think about it, if you make somebody religious and then that person starts making somebody religious, this is, it's not a primitive scheme, right? This is like, this goes on for eternity. The, the amount, don't, don't mess it up. All right. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.